you know, one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes of all time has to be Festivus. And it's not because of the poll. Oh, no. It's because of the airing of the grievances. And when Frank Costanza stands up and he says, I got a lot of problems with you people. It is an apt description for how I'm feeling about the Lakers right now. Welcome back and welcome in to Reteaching the Game, episode number 13, What Unanswered Questions Leave Behind. I am your host, Ethan Noroff, and I am stoked to have you with me on a very special episode. There is so much to get into in Lakerland, and we're going to apply it to much more than basketball. So I'm glad you're here with me. We are going to get into Frank Vogel, officially introduced as the Lakers head coach. We're going to talk about the Lakers' reliance on the what-ifs as necessities and what kind of dangerous trap that sets up moving forward. We're going to get into Magic Johnson turning into absolute dust, going on his ESPN tour and saying some things about the Lakers organization he also says that he cares so much about. So we'll get into the dynamics of all of that, including Jeannie Buss's role in this process and finally we're going to talk about very very appropriately the inner circle and the power of trust and if you're one of those people who thinks about your inner circle thinks about trust you know i often tell my students i say trust is one of those intangible items but if we could package it and we shipped it across country if we just took it to our next door neighbor's house man even if we were just putting it in the car with us we'd buckle it up we'd put fragile on the side of it We'd be real, real careful about where we extended that. So just something to think about there as we get into that a little bit later. But really, this episode's all really going to be all about, you know, what unanswered questions leave behind. And what I mean by that is, you know, the uncertainty and the way people think and the way that we're wired psychologically, unless you are part of a culture that breeds transparency, that breeds accountability, is capable of explaining the why behind the what, You know, people, uh, they're going to ask questions and they're going to have some of those go unanswered. And unfortunately, you know, people tend to not feel heard when that happens. So that's the position the Lakers find themselves in right now. It's a position I think a lot of people in life tend to find themselves in. And, you know, we're here to sort of provide the type of optics that everybody desires, right? What it looks like is what it is, because that's when everyone can thrive, when you're real and when you're authentic. So let's get into down to business. And I want to start with Frank Vogel's hiring. I want to start with the fact that, you know, Lakers had this great opportunity today. They had this wonderful opportunity, this chance to sort of clear the air, to sort of take control of the dynamic. You know, while Magic's on his ESPN tour, the Lakers could have sat there and really, really sat in the driver's seat and drove the Lakers back on track. And instead, the Lakers, they cut the press conference short. They left questions unanswered. Jeannie Buss was absent. And they provided to these hazy optics that they just continue to rightfully get criticized for. And it's a weird way to usher in a new era, the Frank Vogel era. And there was one quote in particular. Now, granted, we talked about how the press conference was was cut short. So, you know, I don't I don't think that a lot of those questions that some of those reporters uh, wanted to ask were really uh, they even had the opportunity to do so. But there was one quote from Frank Vogel that I really want to fixate on as we get started here and keep in mind this is a guy who's known the organization for the better part of you know a couple weeks a few weeks maybe in terms of really knowing the players in the room and and when i say players i mean the uh, power brokers not the players on the court and so he's the new guy and as the new guy here here's the quote that really stands out to me we need to build togetherness with our organization and i don't just mean with the 15 guys or 17 guys that are going to be in uniform or in that locker room 
I'm talking about organizational togetherness, starting with ownership in the front office to the coaching staff, the players, the trainers, the business side. We are all going to be pulling in the same direction. This is something I've always preached as a head coach because you can accomplish amazing things if everybody is together. When that happens, with the way we do things from day to day, that stuff translates to the court and how we play. Now, in theory, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. What concerns me is the Lakers have shown no ability to do that in recent times, and Frank Vogel, the new guy in the room, is the one saying it. It's not that he's wrong. But how is he the one saying it? Why is it not anyone else who's been there for longer? That's the big question. And so for Frank Vogel to come in and say that off the bat, I think it sets a certain tone. You know, look, make no mistake. Vogel took this job on the Lakers terms because he wanted it. There is probably no circumstance except for these muddied waters in which Frank Vogel is the Lakers head coach. And good for him for taking the job. Okay, I'm not knocking him for it. That's for sure. But make no mistake about how this hire went down. And of course, it recreates the David Blatt, uh, Ty Lue dynamic with Jason Kidd. Right. Jason Kidd's hiring was basically a stipulation of any of any coach that was going to come in. And we'll talk about that because the question, the unanswered question that I have is, is Jason Kidd a pipeline to the front office? Remember, on the last episode of Reteaching the Game on episode 12, we kind of talked about who was running the Lakers. Right. That was our big question. And specifically, we focused on Jason Kidd and the level of influence he seemed to have. So not, you know, 20 minutes after Frank Vogel was reported to be the Lakers next head coach, we knew that Jason Kidd would be on his staff and Jason Kidd seems to have a voice in that room. So the question of is Jason Kidd a pipeline to the front office? I mean, Frank Vogel has already had to come out to say on the day that he was introduced as head coach that he's not worried about looking over his shoulder at Jason Kidd. What kind of dynamic does that set up? That impacts trust off the bat and that uh, directly relates had a little stutter there that directly relates to the inner circle and the power of trust right who can you talk to about what who's going to talk behind your back who's going to talk to your face i don't mind personally here's my take if somebody's got something negative to say about me i don't mind i know my approach isn't going to be for everybody and you got to be fine with that You have to be okay with that. There are so many people in this world, billions and billions and billions of people, and we let the opinion of one sometimes affect us so greatly. It's kind of amazing. Okay, but you have to be okay with not being for everybody. And I think that's that's an important dynamic in what the Lakers are trying to build here. Because it impacts trust. But everybody needs to be on the same page. So these questions from the onset aren't a good place to be. Okay, It impacts the trust and the the ability to build a culture within an organization. There's a fear of vulnerability. There's a fear of authenticity that comes with that. And that's how things get real, is when people are unafraid to explore those two dynamics. And if Jason Kidd, my, my biggest unanswered question, remember, this is the theme of this episode, okay? This is my biggest question is if Jason Kidd is such a power broker in that room where he has the he has the support of uh, Kurt Rambis and he has the support of the current front office dynamic, whatever that is. Then why wasn't Jason Kidd hired as head coach? Because he interviewed, 
he interviewed for that position. And specifically, I wonder if it's optics, right? Do the Lakers want to hire Jason Kidd as head coach? Is the thought from them, hey, you know what? We'll hire somebody else, in this case, Frank Vogel, and we'll put Jason Kidd as a prominent assistant. That way, if things go badly, we don't look as bad because Jason Kidd could take over. And I'm not saying that's a thought that's currently being kicked around, but that's the type of unanswered question that a lot of people are going to explore until you give them a reason otherwise, right? Look, do you remember the first time you really liked somebody growing up? And you didn't know how they felt about you and every action was analyzed and dissected from a number of angles and you tried to wrap your mind around how things could work, why this person made this decision, why that person said it, said that response this way, that over analysis, that paralysis by analysis. Okay, you don't want that hanging over something you're trying to build into a successful model, basketball or anything else. I think it's weird that, you know, according to Ben Golliver of the Washington Post, that apparently Frank Vogel had mixed reviews and Kurt Rambis was, you know, one of his strongest advocates in the room. I think that's weird considering we know Rambis is also an advocate for Kid. I don't think that's a, a coincidence. It's the same guy. So you know that Kurt Rambis and his wife Linda Rambis are heavily involved in what the Lakers are doing on a day-to-day basis. Rob Palenka remains the GM. There is no president of basketball operations. There will be no president of basketball operations. And we'll get into all that. Right. We'll get into the Magic Johnson tour that just went down. You already know that's about to happen. And we're going to get there now. We'll talk about the what if a little bit later because I teased it enough. We got to get into this right now. I can feel y'all wanting it just as bad as I want to explore it. So let's get there now. Right. Magic Johnson. This morning, it was it was a Monday, okay? T- today was a Monday. This recording is being done on a Monday. Today was a Monday, and it's got nothing to do with the Lakers, right? It was just one of those days. But I think the most interesting thing to me about all of this going down is Magic continues to say publicly With the exception of this ESPN tour that he just went on, even after his resignation, Johnson said the same thing publicly, which was this. I'm all about the Lakers. I love Jeannie Buss. I want what's best for this franchise. Blah, 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 blah. And more hot air. And I'm not trying to denigrate the dude's words, but he's all about the Lakers until it's time to be about Magic Johnson. And no one can really argue that point. Okay, it was not a mistake that Magic Johnson went on his ESPN tour on the same day the Lakers were introducing Frank Vogel as head coach. You think a guy that has made that much money and been that successful in the media and with his businesses does that by accident? You are tripping if you think that is just coincidence. That is purposeful. So Magic Johnson can sit here and say how much he loves Jeannie Buss and that's all fine and good. But he went on ESPN tour. He lit up first take. He went on anywhere that would shove a microphone in front of his face to say, hey, here's how it went down. I got backstabbed as the president of basketball operations. I'm the victim in this. Right. He really needed to establish that narrative. And it's destructive. It is destructive to the brand. It's a fascinating psychology when you mix family and business, or really, even if you don't. 
And sometimes we embrace people for the same reasons that we push others away. Think about that. Sometimes we embrace people for the same reasons that we push others away. It could be due to relationship. It could be due to circumstance or experience. But we we are capable of treating the same things in very different ways. And here's what I mean by that in this context. Okay, after Magic's resignation, before all of this went down, Jeannie had that now infamous Instagram post of her and Magic at a private dinner talking things out and everything looking all good. So for Magic to now fast forward and do this again and light into the Lakers and Jeannie again, Jeannie Buss, whether it's a public endorsement or not, her embrace of Magic, despite the fact that he's emulating the same qualities that led her to drive her brother Jim out, that's significant. And I think Jeannie needs to realize that. Okay? As people, if we are embracing others for the same qualities that led us to drive out other people from our lives, we really need to deeply examine what we're doing. That goes way beyond basketball. That's deep. And yes, my voice sounds like the Kool-Aid, man, because I got a little sore throat going on, so we're going to ride that wave as well. Okay, it's not a coincidence that Magic went out on this first take tour and also said, oh, I would love to buy the Lakers. He knows that the Lakers are a goldmine. He's not dumb. And I think the biggest thing is that he's purposefully putting this message in place right now in order to establish and control the narrative because the Lakers are unable to do so on their own accord. I mean, they could. It's not that they're unable to. I should rephrase that. It's they're unwilling to. It's an unwillingness. And that's the craziest part, right? So he wants to buy the Lakers so he could be the ultimate Magic Johnson. Make no mistake. Because if he bought the Lakers, look, the Lakers are not for sale. Let me make that clear. But if Magic came out and bought the Lakers from the Bus family, Magic could be the ultimate Magic Johnson. And do you know what that means? He could be the Laker legend and he could be responsible for nothing. He could be the architect of it all, but the builder of nothing. There's a line for you. The architect of it all, but the builder of nothing. Right? I know a lot of people in education who follow this blueprint. They want to be revered, but they don't want to be responsible for anything. And that's part of the reason why the corruption in the public school system is what it is, right? You have a lot of people in this country, in this world, who want to be credited when there is movement and there is progress toward a solution, but they don't want to deal with the ramifications or the consequences of the very real problems, right? Again, it's easier to be it's easier to be part of the trending topic than the actual conversation. Remember that if you've been listening to me, you've heard that before. So Magic wants all the credit and none of the blame, right? That's an easy game to play. That would be real nice if we could all have that. It's never our fault, right? But I want to talk about the problems that we create for ourselves because that's pretty much what Magic Johnson did, okay? When he went on his first take tour, basically what he said was, you know, he always started hearing that Magic, you're not working hard enough. Magic, you're not in the office, this, that, and the other, Right? Well, that's the circumstance he created for himself. So if he doesn't like hearing that, you know how he could fix that? Well, he could be in the office more. He could be visible more, right? There's something to be said about optics and presentation and visibility. You could be the hardest working person in your company, but if you work from home, nobody knows how hard you work sometimes, right? 
Okay, I have some experience in that sphere, so don't get it twisted. You could be blood, sweat, and tears sitting there and really giving it your all, but unless it's visible, some people aren't going to recognize that. So Magic, when he set the terms of his employment to be, hey, I'm not going to be here every day, and hey, I got other interests outside of here, and you know, Genie was willing to accept that, it doesn't mean that everyone Genie employed was. And I think that's where the confusion stems from Magic, right? And so there's partial responsibility on magic. I would say most of it is actually on magic, but some of that is also on genie. And I don't want that to get lost in this either. Okay. There are multiple players at this table. So when mistakes are made, very rarely is it linear. Is it between A and B? And if it is, it's very obvious. But in magic's case, this is a scenario. This is a circumstance he sort of created for himself, right? He didn't like that people were saying that he wasn't visible enough. And I get that. But that's also well within Magic's capabilities to fix that is be more present and be more visible. And so when Rob is doing business on the phone and Magic is unavailable or Magic might be out of the office or Magic won't be able to talk on the phone for a while, I could understand why Rob started moving on without him. Rob Palenka, that is. Right? It's not hard to figure this out. And so Magic can sit here and say how many allies he's got inside of basketball. He can sit here and say how many uh, allies he's got outside of basketball. But the reality is he could have been more present. Again, part of that is on Genie. But he could have been more present and he could have done a better job of controlling the narrative. So when you create the problem and then you want to play victim or try to say this is how I solved it, it's, it's not the best look, right? And look, Magic does make a good point where, where he says, you know, Genie continued to bring in different uh, people, you know, somebody like Tim Harris, for example, for example, into the conversation. And, you know, he says, well, you know, they got too many cooks in the kitchen, basically. That was, that was part of the problem. That was one of the things he said. He said too many cooks in the kitchen. And then that was when the Tim Harris line came. But you know what? Even though Magic's right... Part of that is because of the circumstance he created by not being present, by choosing to to do a full time job in a part time capacity. You had line chefs who thought they were something greater. Right. So it's easy to understand how this dynamic is created and to just sit there and say, oh, the dynamic is what it is. And I had no involvement in it. It's divorcing yourself from the problem. It's accepting no responsibility. It's not looking at yourself in the mirror. That's not what we want our kids to do. That's not what we want each other to do. We should demand more accountability than that. It shouldn't be that hard. And so I just think it's it's really something that, that we need to consider when we're dissecting all of the Magic Johnson rhetoric and analysis, if you want to call it that. Right? We need to consider all the dynamics at play. So if you want to do a job, take hold of it, do it well, and make people make it known to the people. But if you're unwilling or in some cases incapable of fulfilling that role, then don't be surprised when people come gunning for it because that's sort of just the nature of the beast, especially in professional athletics where the field is so competitive. That's a whole other story. All right, we need to get in the Lakers and then the power of the what if, right? Let's operate in fantasy land for a second. And it's not that we're going to go down and start talking about Lakers super teams or nothing like that. We're going to talk about how the Lakers have relied on the what if and how it really devalues the now. Okay, with LeBron James on the roster, you have to put an emphasis on right now. I don't care what that means. You have committed yourself to the now. 
And so when you rely on the pipe dream or and the what if, it perpetuates the pipe dream. Uh, we didn't do it this summer, but next summer we could get this person. Next summer we could get that person. So we have options, right? It's like the person who's never willing to make a purchase because they keep saying, oh, we'll have options in the future. But time continues to tick. Time continues to turn. It doesn't stop. It doesn't slow down. If anything, it feels like it speeds up as you get older. Okay, the Lakers have been overly relying on the what ifs for far too long. Right. And we've heard about how the free agent star is the plan and perhaps pursue a trade for another one. But what's the alternate? What's the non-star plan, so to speak? Is there a plan in place where it said, hey, you know what? What if we just try to build this team instead of focusing on this star or that move? Okay, the Lakers really lucked out when they got the fourth overall pick. Of course, the top three selection would have had more value, but the jump from 11 to four was considered unlikely at best. And so now you're in a situation, if you're the Lakers, you could sit there and say, okay, we go back to New Orleans and say, we're going to trade them Lonzo Kuzma, the fourth overall pick, and maybe a 2021 unprotected pick. It would force the value of now. It would put guys like Kyrie Irving in the free agent conversation, right? You could go to the Bulls and say, hey, I know you're not really sold on Chris Dunn. You're kind of not sure what to do with the seventh overall pick. Could you help us facilitate an AD to LA trade where you wind up with Lonzo Ball? That's another option, right? But what else is in the bag? Because the alternative is another wasted year. And since 2013, here's what you really need to focus on, okay? Since 2013, the Lakers have won 163 games and they've lost 329. You don't want to have that discrepancy in your own life. You don't want to take more L's than wins, right? nobody does so this desire to remain flexible has created a sustained lack of mission or a vision it's created a, a not a dependency on the now not a priority on the now instead of a potential or a what if for the later and i don't mind having options i think optionality is a good thing but at a certain point you need to make a decision you need to commit to a direction to a vision and the lakers have been unable to do that from the top down genie bus's silence has got to be broken so as damaging as this Magic Johnson tour was, and as many hits as this Lakers brand has taken over the last, I can't even tell you how long at this point, there's still time to reclaim the narrative. And that can be true of any of us, no matter how many hits you've taken in the midsection, no matter how much you think you can not get up from what's knocked you over, you always have the power to get up and control the narrative. If you let other people tell your story, you can never find your voice. That's the most important thing is being able to articulate your story. You don't want to have other people talking for you. On that note, the inner circle and the power of trust is something I've been thinking about for last few months or so now. Anytime you're entering a complicated dynamic, there's always an inner circle or inner circles. Trust, as we discuss, is a fragile item. It can be shared between two people. It can be shared over news. It can be shared in a variety of ways. However, if you're not sure what you can do with that trust, where you can place it, how far to extend it, the inner circle starts to become compromised. And this is part of the reason it's so difficult to build a, a true culture of excellence. Okay, anywhere where there's very successful work done, I'm talking about places that are, you know, multi-million and multi-billion dollar businesses, sure. 
but they might not be and they just have a very good workplace culture everybody enjoys people feel appreciated there's a culture of care established for each other and not on the individual they've really perfected this idea of the inner circle and including everybody it's a difficult dynamic and it's really difficult to try to navigate through especially if you're an overthinker like i tend to be and so if any of that resonates with you I hope the Lakers organization is listening, obviously, because their inner circle is fractured, I think we can all say. And the power of trust, it really uh, is something that they should consider, as we all should. But if you're an overthinker like I am, and you're really into human psychology, if you go on YouTube, search up B'nai Brown and Oprah, and the stories we tell ourselves, it's a fascinating six-minute watch really provides a lot of great insight into why we rationalize things that happen to us we have to try to not take things personally we have to try to operate out of compassion and seek to understand and not not be offended by things we don't we wouldn't necessarily do ourselves right the lakers are in a tough spot it's a big summer ahead but if genie bus doesn't make herself visible If the culture isn't one of togetherness, it will not matter what players are on the court because the entire product will be compromised. Have a wonderful week. Rate us five stars. Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, listen, share with your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. Appreciate you listening. Until next time on episode 14. We out.